to remain standing for the reading of God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God as you are doing, do this even more. For you know that what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Let God's word resonate in our hearts and in our minds. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, good evening. I got the call to fill in for Mike. Mike is, is down and just recovering. And uh, I got the call about Monday-ish. And so just trying to put this all together. And I'm just so thankful as I am every single time I get to be up here and, and just being part of worship, uh, I just love, I enjoy it so much, but I do love to bring God's word and, and to, to preach God's word. We're going to continue in our series as, as we, we kind of got back uh, on track, and that is the name of this series, the title of this series is On Track. It's living a life worthy of God. It's, it's being on track to to be what God wants us to be. You know, and as I was kind of thinking about this and, and, and practicing this and, and practicing life and, and working through things and, and thinking about what I was going to talk about tonight, in this scripture in, in 1 Thess Thessalonians, and Thessalonians is a really hard word to say, let me tell you, don't say it four times fast, you'll get them all tongue-tied. But I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in, in a, in a church-going home. My father was a pastor of many, many years. My mother was a, a, a church leader in all different areas and, and teaching kids and youth and, and just a, an amazing uh, a singer. I, I just, uh, just loved listening to her. And, and I, I grew up doing church stuff. I... I I remember when I was a kid, I remember one particular time, I, I went swimming in, in the, what we call the baptistry. It, it was like this big giant, it's back here, so where we baptize people. I didn't know what it was when I was a kid, and, and it was filled with water, so I went swimming in it one time. But that's, that's, that's a totally different story. But I grew up doing all kinds of church activities. We went to church every single Sunday. Uh, obviously, my father's pastor. We had to be at church. I was there, and, and I went to Sunday school, and, and, I, and I came back at, at, in the evening and, and for Sunday night. We did Wednesday night stuff, and I grew up being taking part in vacation Bible school. I grew up uh, eventually helping to teach in vacation Bible school when I got older. I grew up doing children's camp, church camps. I, 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 my life was surrounded by the church. And I, and I consider myself very blessed for that. I came to know Christ when I was very young. I was about eight years old when I came to know Christ and I accepted Christ for the first time as Savior and Lord of my life. I was baptized at age 10. All growing up, I, was my, I remember listening to this challenge. I was taught at a very early age that it is important for us as believers, important for us as Christians, 
to live according to God's will. I knew that was what I was supposed to do all growing up. I knew, I knew that was what I was supposed to do. But I'm going to be, be very honest. You can say the words, as I did as a kid, and even in, in a teenager, and say, you know, I'm supposed to live according to God's will. And then you can, you can keep repeating the words like I did, but there came a point where I went, what does that mean? What, what about, what, what is God's will for my life? What, what is it about? And, and that, that uh, honestly, it, it frustrated me, is particularly when I, when I was in high school, and I'm like, okay, I'm about to graduate from school, and I'm supposed to go to college, and I'm supposed to live according to God's will. What does that mean, God? What does that mean? What will is it that you're supposed to do? What, am I, am I uh, is it about my education? Like, am, am I supposed to go a certain way in my education? Is it, is, is it in, my, in my future career choice? Now, growing up as a pastor's kid, everybody thought, you know what? He's going to be a pastor. He's going to be a minister. And, and I'll tell you, if you know anything about my story, uh, I, I fought going to becoming a pastor kicking and screaming. I did not want to be a minister. I did not want to be a pastor. I want to be anything but but I'm still supposed to search for God's will. What is God's will in my life, right? And so I went, and as I went to college, and I graduated high school a little bit early, and, and I made the mistake of going to college right after high school, and I am probably still paying for that today. I'm way past graduating high school now. And it took me a long time to figure out what this meant. And, but... In a lot of ways, it was just exhausting. The, the pressure that I, I felt to understand what is God's will for my life? What is God? God, what do you want me to do? I, I remember having sleepless nights trying to figure this out. And then when I was about 21, it just kind of hit me that everything that I was worried about. See, seeking God's will isn't necessarily about your, isn't about making sure that you pick the right job. It isn't about making sure that you, you pick the right education. It isn't, it, it isn't about that. It's, it, it, in fact, all those things that I just mentioned, your, your job and, and you know what, even, even your, your family, even all these things, those things are finite. Those things come to an end. Why? Because we're human beings and we're finite. Except when Scripture tells us that when we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our life, and we accept him as Savior and Lord, and we ask him for forgiveness, he cleanses us from that unrighteousness, and we have eternal life in God. And then that, I, th those words resonated. John 3, 16 resonated with me for the, probably the first time. Really, really hard for the 21. I remember, God, I am making this too hard. I began to understand that God's will in life is not complicated at all. It came down to this one simple truth. 
And it's found right here, and it's found throughout the Bible, but, but this particular passage, it really strikes me that, that God's will for you and for me is for each and every one of us to grow in his holiness. And you're saying, Stephen, what in the world does that mean? It means grow in holiness. Let me, let me just read this ver- these verses again. If you're, if you're in your Bible, it's 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, that's the next part of our series of being on track. And today we're talking about being on track and moving toward holiness. That's what God wants for his chosen people. That's what he wants for his children. And and I'm going to read it again. It's the beginning of verse 1. It says this, Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God, as you are doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. In verse 3, it says this, for this is God's will, your sanctification says that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this matter, in this way, because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's a really big, long word, sanctification. Sanctification is this. If you look it up in the dictionary, it'll say this. And it's actually, if you're filling in notes today, uh, it's going to be one of your first blanks there. Is sanctification is the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. Now, that's the definition, but even that sounds pretty confusing. Sanctification literally means to be set apart. That's what it means. That's what Paul is talking about when he's talking to the church in Thessalonica. He's saying, because you are children of God, because you have accepted Christ and you have accepted the commands that we have given you, this is God's will for your life, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to become what God wants you to be. His will for you is holiness, not impurity. That's what scripture teaches. Well, how do we do that? And if you look at just the basic, in a nutshell, it comes down to this. Growing in holiness means living according to God's standard. Not the world's standard. 
Growing in holiness means living according to God's standard, not the world's standard. And friends, make no mistake, there is a clear difference. If you are living your life according to what men or what the world wants you to do, you are not living according to God's standard. If you have any desire to grow in your holiness, to, to, be, to be grow and, and mature in the faith that God has called you to, you cannot live according to the world's standard. You must live according to God's standard. Where do we find God's standard? Well, it's right here. This is God's standard. This is God's desire. This is God's design for his creation. This is God's design for what he wants you to become, how he wants you to be educated, how he, what career choice you want, you want to do while you're here on earth, the kind of man that he wants you to be, the kind of father or husband or brother that he wants you to be or friend that he wants you to be. It's all right here. God's standard is here and is very different than what the world wants. But when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we understand that we are God's creation and we take that step toward him and accept Jesus as the Savior and Lord, accept him as that, one, that man who died on the cross without sin and died on the cross for every sin that you and I will ever commit, and we simply ask for forgiveness and we repent of those sin, and he will cleanse us, and then we are no longer ourselves. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to God now and forevermore, and we are set apart to live according to God's standard. Now, Paul identifies, and he really targets out in this particular scripture certain areas that we are to live according to God's standard. Because the world, in, in, if we put this in the historical context and we look at, at what was going on and, and you should always study the Bible that way. Look at the context. Who is Paul writing to? In this case, he's writing to the, to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to the Thessalonians. And as in, in all of those areas and, and pockets and the multiple religions, the, the what we call polyist, polytheistic religions, the ones that had multiple gods, that the, the, their life, the, the lives around, the world standard, all everything that, that was not of God, but, but that was going on in the world, Paul found this particular point to be of utter importance, and he stressed it in this letter. What does he say? How do we live, how do we grow in holiness? Well, the first thing that, that Paul says in, in particular is that he understands that growing in holiness means that we are means avoiding sexual sin. He, sa he says that you, if you look into the English Standard Version, which is what we use a lot in, in the Bible down below, it says that you abstain from sexual immorality. You abstain. Paul doesn't say you abstain from sex. Okay, be clear. 
I'm a happily married man. I have four children. I am, I, I, God does not want us to abstain from sex. Paul is not teaching that. He is saying you need to abstain or keep away from, that's what abstain, from sexual immorality. So what was happening at, at this time with, with all the other, these other religions that had multiple idols, multiple gods, the idea of the, the immoral, immoral acts of sex outside of God's design between a man and a woman, husband and wife, it was far beyond that. In fact, some of the, if you look at throughout history, if you look at some of the rituals, uh, the ritualistic lives of these other faiths, these other religions, sex in general was exploited. It was, you had things like you had prostitutes in as part of their worship. Acts that, that, that Paul said, you need to stay away from this. You are set apart. Paul is saying, church in Thessalonica, you, as children of God, as, as followers of Christ, you are to be set apart. You are to abstain from anything that is immoral. The, the word abstain simply means to keep distance away from, keep away from it. Don't go near it. We've, we've often heard this word that it's synonymous with it would say abstain. It means flee from it, get away from it, run away from it. Do whatever you can to stay away from it. See, Paul points this out here as we grow in our holiness because Paul is teaching us that we can't grow in holiness, that we can't be set apart, we can't be, have hope of sanctification if we continue to dive into that world standard, if we continue to dive in and just live life as everybody else does. Most importantly so in immorality. The temptation of immorality, the tempta particularly sexual immorality, is one sin that nearly everybody has been challenged with at one point or so more in their lives. How do I know that to be true? Because addiction to pornography, addiction to, to the, the watching just any of the, even over the last 20, 30 years, and we look at the, uh, I love watching movies. I do. I love watching them. Uh, I, but more and more, I, you really got to watch out what you're watching. Because so much of the world standard is, is revolves around sex. And immoral sex. Not, not the, the, the covenant between a man and a wife, but just anything but. You turn on the TV. I don't have cable anymore. I, I have I, I stream like a lot of people. But you gotta you gotta watch the rating systems and you see these things called mature. And I'm like I stay away from that. Have to. It, it has become ingrained in our culture. But this Paul is showing us if we take this from this context, historic context, and we put it to today. It's no different. 
The medium has changed. Now we have, we have unlimited access all the time to anything that God's standard would deem immoral. We have to watch what our children are doing now. Instead of growing up and, and going to, to, to churches and to VBS, things like VBS and children's camp, they're plugged in front of, of computers. And, and I, I'm not against technology. I love technology. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a good thing. It's a wonderful tool. My children learn through technology. But how, how often have you had to watch what your children are doing? Because one click of the button, one click of the mouse, or one 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 check mark, and you're, it's going to take them into the world of sexual immorality. It's going to take them into the world of pornography. That's why Paul, even then, he's saying, you need to watch out for this. If, if you are going to be set apart, you need to understand how destructive this is, and you need to go away from it. See, sexual immorality is a sin that, that nearly everyone has to face at some point. And many lives today, friends, are being destroyed by this sin. Many marriages are being destroyed by this sin. It's destructive because sexual immorality corrupts the beauty of God's standard. It corrupts the beauty of God's design. And if we're to be set apart, if we're to be sanctified and grow in holiness, we have to set ourselves apart from that, to go away from it, to deny it. It's a sin that has the snowball effect. And without the help of God, one cannot get out of it. So we grow. We grow and we avoid that trap. The second thing is this, that Paul says when we are to avoid and abstain from the immoral acts. And then we'll go one step forward, for, uh, one step more and understand that growing in holiness means that we take responsibility for our body. They go hand in hand. Scripture says right there in, 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 verse, right there in verse 4, it says that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not, if you're looking at ESV, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Taking responsibility for your body. Now, Paul's words here, it's very interesting uh, how he's, what he's using here. When he's saying the idea of taking control, it, this, this is not about the physical action and saying, I don't have control of you know, lifting my arm up or, or waving or, or laughing or I have control over those things, right? Those, the, the physical action. It's not about the physical action. More importantly, Paul here, he is teaching us, and, and more likely uh, the meaning to a believer, is that we have to take responsibility for our bodies. We have to take responsibility for our actions. We have to take responsibility for our choices. That's what it means to take control of your body. 
right? To, to harness and, and to do away with the temptation, to do what we can to avoid temptation, to do what those things that we know is going to take us down and make the choice to look and go the other direction. Now, sometimes we, we, we start to argue and, and we, we think about, well, and, and I've heard this, and I've never understood it, but I've heard it. Well, if God planned everything in my life, why is he allowing me to look at X? Why is he allowing me, why is this in my life, why is God allowing this? And we, and we think that the temptation is of God. It isn't. Temptation in and of itself is not of God. Temptation is, is a thing of the enemy. Trials are of God. Temptation pulls us away from God. It pulls us down, the whole, down to the pit, right where, where the enemy is. The trial is of God moving through each day, trying ourselves and understanding that we are to grow and become more and more like Christ, that's a trial, not a temptation. Because sin is in the world, temptation is in the world. Temptation like pornography. Temptation like alcoholism. Temptation like drug addiction. These are temptations. These are things that pull us away from God. God didn't put them in our way. They, they are there as a product of sin. But if we are to grow in holiness, we need to take control, understanding that God gives us the ability, the intelligence, the foresight, the heart, the strength, the endurance, and the courage to say, no, I will not go down this. I know where, where pornography will lead me, so I need to turn the corner. Or I know where, where pornography has taken me, and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go. I know where being sexually immoral takes me, and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make the choice. I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to take control of the body that God gave me and make it holy to move toward holiness. I'm going to fill it not with what pulls me away, but I'm going to fill it with what lifts me up. We have that ability. We have that power. Now, we, we rely on God's strength in, that, in those moments. But that's what growing and taking control is, isn't it? Understanding that we are, we're, we're about to go away from God but God wants us to be holy, and so we say, God, I, I need you in this moment. I need you to give me strength. I need you to give me endurance. I want to grow and be, become what you want me to become, and I want you to keep me on the right path. And when we pray those prayers and we begin to fill it, we say, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to fill it with the word. I'm going to fill it with what God, what he wants me to be. I'm going to fill it with fellowship with fellow other believers. I'm going to, to pick up the cross and follow Christ where he wants me to go. I'm going to grow in holiness and I'm going to have control over my body. You are responsible for growing in holiness. You are responsible for it. You are responsible for keeping God's command 
you are certainly responsible in, when it comes, as Paul is talking about, in, in areas of sexual immorality, that we are to honor God not only with our words, but with our actions, with our heart, with our mind, with our soul. That's what Paul is focusing on. And when we do those things and we begin to grow and, and, our, and we, we gain our knowledge and we gain our strength and we, and we become, become and more each and every day become sanctified, which means to be, again, set apart. Or you could say it this way, to be more and more like Christ. You know what, that, the, the word Christian, that's what it means. It started off as almost like a slang term, Christians. It literally means little Christ's. And we took that, that, that term that, that was sometimes used as slang or as, a, as ridicule, we picked it up and we said, yeah, you know what? That's what I want to be. I want to be more like Christ. I want to be what Christ is. I can't, I can't attain Christ's standard because we all fall short, right? We fall short to temptation. We fall short to sin. But Christ is there for us, and Christ wants us to follow him. God wants us to grow in holiness and be sanctified, to be set apart. We take that as a badge of honor. We move forward, and we grow, and we grow. And when we grow, then we take that and understand that our growing in our holiness means that we need to love our neighbors. We need to love those around us. Scripture says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Verse 7 says, For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. That means that we, Paul is simply saying here, when all else fails, love your neighbor. Understand where your neighbor is coming from. Understand that your neighbor has the same struggles that you do. Understand that your, your, your neighbor may be suffering from the same temptations. And, and, and if you're not living according to that life, you're not only taking yourself down, you're taking your neighbor, who you are an example of Christ, you're taking him down with you. I hear it all the time when it comes to being a Christian that sometimes, you know what, I, I, I'm a believer but when I'm at work or I'm at a friend's house or I'm at some event, I don't necessarily need people to know my beliefs. Well, if that's your argument, then you're not necessarily set apart. People should be able to tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer. Not in, in our words, because I hear that all the time, too. I don't always have the words to say when we talk about witnessing. Well, that's probably, that may be true. Maybe God doesn't gift you with that ability to, to preach the word or to teach the word directly one-on-one -on -one with somebody. But every one of us is to live a life in holiness to, be set, to demonstrate how we are set apart, which means we don't go down the same road. 
That means when there's maybe there's a, a something at work and something that we shouldn't be looking at, something that's maybe, maybe sexual in nature or pornographic in nature, we don't, we don't take a part in that. We don't look at it. If there's a, that, that crude joke that, I'll be honest, I probably thought was pretty funny when I was younger, I, I don't laugh at that. Well, people are going to think I'm different. Well, yeah. You know why? Because you are. You're set apart. You are set apart. And in today's world, as has always been the case, but I think more important now than ever, we need to live according to God's standard. That means we're going to be look a little, sound a little, be a little different compared to the rest of the world. You know why? Because we're not here to please the world. We're here to please God. We're to love our neighbor. Paul is telling us to love our neighbor. And when, when we get frustrated, we're to continue to love our neighbor. And we're to love our neighbor and continue to love our neighbor. And we're to let others see the love of Christ in us. Not only through our words, but through our actions, through how we live our life. We want people to, un, to see us and to be a living testimony of what God is doing in our lives. It goes beyond words. How often have you heard that term, that phrase, actions speak louder than words? See, right now, I'm seeing it throughout churches. I'm seeing it throughout people. There's a whole lot of this going on. There's a whole lot of talking going on. But there's not a lot of acting. There's not a lot of doing. If we acted every day according to the faith that we, we claim, proclaim to have, there would be a reformation in this world. There would be a revival of faith in this world. I believe that. Now, we're not here, and you hear me enough, we're not here to save the world. The world at, at its time will end. Scripture tells us that. The world will come to an end. Jesus will come back, and he will judge the living and the dead. He will judge, and we will stand in judgment for all the choices that we made, good and bad. And we have to give an account of all the bad things that we did. We have to give an account of all the sins that we, we committed. We, it's almost like a checklist. But through Christ, we are forgiven of those sins. It's washed away. It's not anything we're doing. It's what Christ is doing in, to, in us. Why would we not want to be a little different if that meant being able to love our neighbor in such a way that they also become changed. Growing in holiness means accepting God's standard. Verse 7, we told you beforehand and solemnly warns you, for God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, 
but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Growing in holiness means accepting that standard which God has laid out before us. Picking it up. Christ says we're to pick up our cross and follow him. It means we pick up that standard, we pick up that banner, and we become what God wants us to become. We become holy and grow in our holiness just as God is holy. Now, understanding holiness, being holy, only comes to an individual who trusts Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. You cannot become holy on your own. You cannot become sanctified on your own. You will always fall short. It comes with the understanding that Jesus Christ, who came to this world fully God and fully man, grew up and lived through every temptation that we face. It may look a little different, but the, the, the actions are the same. Just as, in, as there is now in Jesus' day, there, were, there was moments where people were being drawn towards sexual immorality. They were being drawn away from God. They were being tempted and moved and pulled away from God. And Jesus went through all of that. He went through all the struggles. He went through all those people maybe looking at him and say, you're a little different. He said, yes, I am. Why? Because I am here to please and honor my father, not man. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life being fully God and fully man for one purpose and one purpose only, to die on the cross, to pay a for a sacrifice that not one of us could ever pay. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We don't have the power or the authority, but Jesus does. And he died on that cross, not for himself, but for you and for me. And he died knowing every sin you are going to commit. Even the ones that we don't even know we're going to commit yet. Why? Because we're going to continue to sin. We're go it's going to happen, folks. But understanding that Christ died on that cross and on the third day he defeated death and he rose again. And he ascended to heaven to stand bef before God on our behalf. What's that song? There's only one God, there's only one mediator. That's Christ. That's where our holiness, that's where our sanctification comes from. Christ stands before God, and we, we go down our checklist and every sin that we commit, and Jesus said, I paid for that for this person. I paid for that so that he didn't have to. He doesn't have to pay for the wages of sin, which is death and eternal damnation. He, he gets the, the benefit of being washed away and becoming holy and sanctified and be set apart the definition of holiness means to be set apart for use by God himself. To be sanctified means to be set apart for God's purpose. That's the purpose. That's what we should be living. That's our desire today. The challenge today from this passage is simple. Grow 
in your holiness each day. Now let me ask you an important question as we, as we come into our close. A- answer the question honestly and in your own heart. This is not audience participation. Be honest with yourself. More importantly, be honest with God right here in this moment. Do you really want to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ? This, this is the heart of the matter. Do you want to live each day for Christ? Do you realize that, that if you're going to receive the blessings of God, you must live by God's principles? Now, this isn't about earning your way to heaven. You're not going to do that. This is understanding God died for me. Jesus died for me so that I can have hope of eternal life, and I'm going to try each day to live according to his will, to live according to his word. Do you want to live the best life possible and honor our Savior and Lord? Or are you satisfied and just want to get by? Maybe you feel like today that living a godly Christian life, maybe it's just a little too strict. Maybe it's a little too daunting. I want you to look at this passage again. If you're in that boat, I want you to look in this passage and ask yourself, why? Why did Christ die on the cross for me? It wasn't for him. Why does God want me to live according to this life? Why? Because God wants you to have eternal life in him. See, I learned when I grew in my faith that, it's, that, that living according to God's will isn't necessarily about the job I have. It's, it's not about my education. It's not about how much money I make or, or, or anything of this world. God simply wants me and you to live a life worthy of him. To live a life understanding that he gave us that life. And to live each day for him. That's why we're here. Christianity doesn't just refer to your church life. What we do here is is not the end all of Christianity. This is what we do here when we worship and we join together in song and worship and, and listen to God's word. It's to energize us, to fill us up, to encourage us to go out into the world and live the life that God wants us to live. Which life are you living today? Are you living to become more holy? Or do you want to live today for Christ? Be honest with God today. Live the life pray that to God. If you, if you, if you need help with that, assistance with that, I want you to, 
Talk to us. Fill out your Connect card. Somebody say, I need to know more about what it means to live the li- a life of Christ, to live the life that God wants him to be, to live more holy, to, because I'm struggling with this or that or whatever it may be, and we're all, friends, we're all struggling with something. But we want to live each day for Christ. If you want to know more about that, we would love to talk to you about that. But you're going to have to take the first step and ask God to show you the direction that he wants you to go. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now thankful for this opportunity to be gathered in your name. Father, we thank you that we still live in in this place where we certainly can worship the way that we see fit. We, We can worship freely and openly. We, we just thank you that we know that not, that is not true everywhere. But we continue to love and we continue to grow. Father, allow us to grow each day in, our, in the holiness that you have instilled in our life. Allow us to be set apart, to be an example for you, to, to say no to, to things that lead us away from you. Allow us to be more stronger in faith than we, today than we were yesterday and grow even more the next day and the next. Each and every day, speak to us, strengthen us, and encourage us to live the life that you have placed for us. In Jesus' name, amen.